We're going to read, um, oh, about seven verses of Exodus chapter 12. We'll start at verse 14, but let me tell you what this is before I start reading it. And, and I, I, I know you probably recognize it, but um, this is in the midst of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And these are words of institution for the Passover. Now, I know you've heard of the Passover before. It's, um, it's still um, a very significant sacrament in, in Judaism. Um, we view this as the New Testament version of it, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But let me read you um, Exodus chapter 12 at verse 14. Here we go. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute Forever, In the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God, that endures forever. I think I should have said also that this is just a portion of the words of institution of the site. This is not the whole thing. This is just one of the features um, that is described for you in terms of the observance of Passover for Israel. Guys, uh, in the last week of September, about three weeks ago, um, PBS, the public broadcasting, WKNO or Channel 10 or whatever it is, um, showed a Ken Burns documentary. You, you may have seen it. It was entitled The War. It was about World War II. Ken Burns is the guy that did that Civil War thing several years ago. That um, was so wonderful. He's just a, an historian extraordinaire. But he's done another one, and it was first released three weeks ago on PBS and entitled The War. And um, I saw it, most of it. I didn't see all of it, but I saw most of it. And um, what I did see brought out this plethora of emotions, this, this 
flood of varied emotions as I, as I watched that thing. I guess the first was nostalgia, you know, a longing for a, a simpler time, uh, living in a land that was unified. Oh, we haven't been unified as a nation in how long? It, it stirred up love for America, uh, pride in America. I mean, guys, you can't watch some of that footage of Marines uh, storming the beaches at Iwo Jima and not have some sense of pride over this country. It, it also um, evoked a great deal of sadness. There were 59 million people that died worldwide in that conflict. 450,000 American soldiers lost, lost their lives. There were scenes of slaughter in that thing, in that week-long documentary, that were just gut-riching. I don't know if they've ever shown those kinds of um, pictures on television of, of American lives being lost. I have three daughters, as you know, and, and my youngest daughter, who's 27, she's, she's kind of interested in American history, and, and uh, I told her about it, and she tried to watch it, and she said, I can't watch it. It's just, it's just too sad. But interestingly, nor could my 87-year-old mother-in-law watch it. Um, for her, it just, it just brought back memories that were, that were too painful. There was one piece in the whole documentary about the battle at Anzio. Uh, maybe you've heard of that, but Anzio. But you, you might, I, I, I'm not an expert, but I learned some things in this documentary. But America, in terms of the European theater, we entered in North Africa. And that's where we had the battles of, with Rommel. And, and uh, once we had ridded North Africa of the Germans, then the strategy was to move northward up through Italy. And uh, we, we landed first in Sicily and then got that under control and then moved on to Italy. And while we were pressing north up through Italy, there was a battle in a little city in, um, in Italy known as Anzio. If I went to Italy, I'm not going to, well, I guess I will have to go to Rome, but I want to go to Anzio. Our troops were pinned down there um, for about four weeks under constant cannon fire. Before we could ever take Anzio, 40,000 troops were not killed. They weren't even wounded. Now, there were people killed and wounded, but um, there were 40,000 of them that were never wounded. They weren't killed. But the results of that four weeks of shelling left them so shell-shocked. I think we would call it today post-traumatic shock syndrome. They were so shell-shocked they had to be removed from battle. They were, in essence, destroyed emotionally and mentally. Just, and, and they never, they weren't, it wasn't a bullet that hit them. It was just the four weeks of constantly being shelled. There was also shock and surprise. 
for instance, um, the racial battles that went on in this country during that war. Did you know about that? Did you know that there was uh, there were racial riots in Mobile? Did you know that? I had no idea. We, um, we couldn't let black troops fight with white troops. They had their own battalions. And there was uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. You know that? Remember that? Um, we interned. Oh, I don't remember how many Japanese Americans and, and a group of those Japanese Americans finally gathered themselves together and organized kind of a brigade and went and fought in Europe. They couldn't fight in the Southeast, I mean, in the uh, Pacific theater, but they could, they could fight in the, the European theater. And I think it was the 442nd, I think. But I mean, they distinguished themselves with heroic service in Germany. And um, originally nobody wanted them, and then finally everybody was after them because they were such... They were such good fighters. All of that was just captivating to me. Maybe, but I, but I, perhaps the most enduring of all of the emotions of watching that thing was was guilt. Guilt over my failure to appreciate the sacrifices that were made by that generation, so that I could be free. Tom Brokaw called it the greatest generation. And he was probably right. The, uh, the sacrifices that were made for us so that we could be uh, free. You know, you, uh, I, I'm not sure about this, but you 20 and 30 year olds out there, I don't think you know much about this war. And that's a shame. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I, I was going to, to see the movie um, Pearl Harbor. Uh, it starred Ben Affleck and some other people. And, and uh, um, so I went to the movie about Pearl Harbor and I walked out. And I was really nonplussed by the whole movie because the movie, if you saw it, was really more about who got the girl instead of the horrors of that one Sunday morning in December in 1941. This segment of history, this, uh, let's just say from 1939 to 1950, that, that little segment of history in there. Of course, the war was 41 to 45 for us, but that little segment of history is, is being lost. Uh, or worse, it's being, it's being rewritten. And um, I, I, for one, would just like to say we, we can't allow that. We cannot forget. We cannot forget the price that was paid so that we could be free. Our government, to its everlasting credit, I think, did recognize our short-term memory problems and um, designated a day, one day, that was, supposed to, that, that was supposed to be a reminder so that we could think through afresh the, the price that would, was paid in that war for American freedom. That day, as I hope most of you know, is in May. It's called Memorial Day. Uh, and no, Memorial Day is not, does not signal the end of school and the beginning of summer vacation. <laughs> That's not what Memorial Day was for. Memorial Day um, was to be a day of rem- remembrance, 
about the sacrifices that were made in that war. Maybe, maybe we can do better in 2008. Now, guys, I say all of that to say this. Did you notice in our text, verse 14, that it says, This day shall be for you a memorial day. Um, Look at it. It says, You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. A memorial day. A memorial day is supposed to be held... Among Christians, or at least here, among Israel, for the entirety of the generations. All designed so that they would not forget Passover was to be Israel's memorial day. Now, guys, I think you know this, but it was in a Passover meal where Jesus takes that meal and and modifies it and retools it and then gives it to us in this form. This sacrament is to be a day when we who have been set free from spiritual bondage, we're supposed to use this time, at least one feature of this sacrament is that we're supposed to use this time to remember the price that was paid to effect the the liberty from our own spiritual bondage. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a price was paid. But a sacrifice was made. But not by 450,000 lives. By just one. Have we forgotten that one too? Has the sweet taste of forgiveness become so familiar to us that we no longer recognize its great beauty? Has the price that was paid lost its power to call to the deeps of our soul and evoke peons, uh, choruses of praise and, and worship and devotion? Is this nothing more than a ritual for us? Something my church does once a month, you know, when, and now we just do that, and I don't know what we're doing it for, but. Is, is there no longer found among us hearts that occasionally burst with love and passion for a Savior who endured the cross and despised the shame? When, um, when the Americans and the Australians arrived at Manila. <laughs> uh, there was a POW camp right in almost downtown Manila. And um, they have all this footage 
of these people coming out of this POW camp in Manila. Or, or when the Americans and the Brits arrived in Paris and liberated Paris. And, and the people who lined the streets and, 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 and just threw themselves in absolute abandon over their liberators. This doesn't do that for us anymore, does it? That's a shame. Today, guys, is our monthly call. When deep calls to deep, saying, Christian, do you love me more than these? Christian, will you follow me? Christian, the entire price for your deliverance was paid by me. Does that still stir you like it once did? Christian, you've been set free from the tyranny of your sin by me. My brother and sister in Christ, for us, this is our Memorial Day. Our guilt has been swallowed up in victory. A victory that was won for us by the great captain of our souls. King Jesus. Join me. As we think long and hard. About the price paid. For us to be forgiven. Our Father, I do pray that you will meet us there at this table and that great good will come of it. And that your, your, um, your people might find themselves strangely warmed by being a part of something that, that is reflective. That, is, um, that calls us to remember the great sacrifice made for our sin. Would you meet us here, Lord, and would you, would you give us a fresh, accurate, clear, precise memory of the great beauty of what Christ accomplished for us? Would you do that, Lord? We ask it for Jesus' sake.